Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Excellent. So that I think that from listening to your voice, that is E.R. Donaldson. Yep, that's right. I ended up making it. Excellent. Excellent. So we're just waiting on CD, seeing if he can jump in with us here. I see him. Yeah, I don't have his audio either. He's here. He's here, he says. <clears throat> I think he's going to have to restart the audio. Okay, well, maybe, maybe, um, ER, you and I can start a little bit here, introduce ourselves, introduce what who Vagabond Magazine is, and get the intros going so that we can have CD jump back in and join us. Sounds good. I can go ahead and go first. Hello, everyone. Uh, ER Donaldson here. I am the managing editor for Vagabond Magazine, independent order, uh, uh, independent author, publisher, and uh, AI artist. Um, glad to be here today. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, ER. And I, hello, everyone. I'm Rihanna Morgan. I am senior editor of Vagabond Magazine, and we are gathered here today to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Web three space. And so, by by way of introduction for myself, I'm a I'm a, a novelist, I'm a poet, I'm a Web3 enthusiast. I've been in the Web3 space for years now, and I joined Vagabond Magazine shortly after my entrance into Web3 and have been here been here for a while and working with CD and ER Donaldson. And let's see, we have an amazing tech editor, Indefatigable, and we have a wonderful fashion editor, Quanta, and our book editor is Cryptoversal Books. And so all together, all of us bring a wide swath of amazing interactions and relationship and innovation in the Web3 space. And then, of course, we have C.D. Demichio. He is our founder and publisher of Vagabond Magazine. And we have so many amazing things coming up here in the end of this year and looking into the new year. And so we're very excited about that. And so first off, I want to I wanna start out by talking a little bit about some things I've been seeing in the Web3 space. And first of all, because it is Thanksgiving week for those of us here in the United States. I want to send out a, a sense of gratitude and thankfulness for all of you and all of us here in the space. And ER, I'm going to pass the mic back to you a little bit and see if you've got some thankfuls that you would like to share. And then I have my first piece uh, that I've been seeing in the Web3 space that kind of relates to Thanksgiving itself. So I'll pass the mic to you. Sure thing. Real quick, I also just want to check. CD, are you with us? I see your mute coming on and off here. Just wanted to give you a ch chance to introduce yourself if you needed to. Okay, it looks like we're still we're still in progress. Okay, so so gratitudes. I mean, I feel like this year has been uh, a full full of opportunities to to recognize and be thankful for uh, the things we've been blessed with and and you know where where we live, especially when it seems like there's a lot going on in the world in terms of. Uh, of challenges and hardships. So, you know, thankful right now for the things like the uh, health and the health of my family, uh, security, both financial and otherwise, um, and recognizing that right now that that isn't true for a lot of people around the globe. So, um, you know, our, you know, as we're being thankful and recognizing what we've been blessed with hearts and minds, uh, hurts go out to the um, the individuals who who may be struggling out there. Um, you know, also thank thankful. I know you hit on this almost every every week, Rihanna. But for the great connections we uh, we've uh, 
been able to have here in the Web3 space and just in general in um, the writing and publishing uh, sphere, particularly over here on Discord. Um, I met so many uh, creative, talented individuals and really started to form some some deep connections through through our activities here and, and elsewhere. So thank you all for um, for those of you who take the time to introduce yourself and uh, for uh, the projects and the collaborations we can uh, participate in together. Thank you so much for that. I definitely want to echo all of what you just said about um, being mindful and caring about the people who are struggling and the people who are trying, you know, day to day to get from one <laughs> one breath to the next and one event to the next and one life life um, activity to the next and how how big of a difficulty that is. I know a lot of you are aware, but I'm a bankruptcy attorney in real life. And I can definitely tell you that um, with the way things are, are and the way things are going in the world, um, my phone is ringing all of the time and we are so, so busy. And I, I, I love being able to transition to here and talk with people here about all of the the hope and happiness and love and care that we can bring to the space. And I also love being able to turn to the people in real life and say, I, I know how to help you. I can I can help you through this. And and I feel like that that um my whole my whole world and my whole heart is is help here and help there and help everywhere I can. And so I definitely hear hear you. And I want to um, jump over and welcome Odd Writings, a friend of ours here, um, to the stage and see if he wants to jump in and give some thankfuls and and honor some of this Thanksgiving week for those of us here in the United States. Hello. <clears throat> well, uh, I'm definitely happy uh, for uh, and thankful for uh, all the friends that I've made over Web3 and I'm continuing to make, uh, and uh, just, uh, you know, even though there's a lot of rough things going on in the world, it's always good to try to remember the little things, because I think the little things are the ones that really, uh, really, at least for me, affect me the most. Uh, seeing a cat, for example, petting a cat, uh, feeling the cat purr, looking out the window, little things like this, if you if you think about them and and let them you know, kind of absorb them. They're they're precious moments, and so it's uh, it's it's a thing to do, especially if you need to take a break from the world, uh, all the things happening, uh, you know, all the things happening around the world. So um, that would be my uh, my contribution, I think, to uh, things to be thankful for. Yes, definitely. I I love that. I love the little things and the and the and the little things that we see, and um, I am so happy that. Um, I see CD back up on the stage and odd writings. Thank you so much for jumping in and sharing your piece. And, and I really appreciate that, but I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to pass the mic to CD and see if he can jump in. All right. See, it looks like uh, we're still having some trouble hearing you, CD. Sorry. Oh no. Oh no. Okay. So CD said that he is going to, he's asking us to just carry on and he's going to try with his phone. And so, okay. Cool. I uh I loosely I loosely follow it just uh for for investment news. I don't really use crypto as an investment vehicle, but 
Um, I still find it interesting to kind of kind of watch what makes the market behave as well as the way it does. And yeah, they they filed for their their Bitcoin ETF. And for those of you who uh, who may not know, an ETF is basically um, j- just a a way to purchase like a surrogate marker for um, uh, any, anything related to to investments here. So like for uh, stocks and equities, for example, you know, you have ETFs, um, which are um, basically a surrogate for things like mutual funds, and they're actively managed and um, generate basically a value that is accumulation of everything that's that's in this fund that's being managed by investors. Well, um, they were looking to set up the first Bitcoin ETF. And as I understand it, that application still is with the SEC and they're still trying to move forward with some of the obstacles there. But while that application is still pending, uh, you see them file for this Ethereum one, which Ethereum, you know, people kind of use Bitcoin, as I understand it, as like their re- reserve currency in crypto. Um, you don't really see that as much with uh, Ethereum. You see you see ETH being more uh, focused on the NFT aspect of things, or at least that's my, um, my impression. But um, some of the commentators on this are saying, well, if they've got this Bitcoin ETF pending with the SEC, and are still feeling confident enough to file for the Ethereum uh, ETF, that that might be a sign of some positive progress on their original SEC application. So um, c- kind of interesting there. You, I, uh, I haven't checked the price in the last couple of days, but you did see a recent spike in the value of uh, crypto and ETH, or I'm sorry, uh, Bitcoin and ETH. So I just thought that was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, and we'll see if that uh, kind of turns the corner and kind of re-legitimizes some of the, uh, the crypto investing and, you know, may, might uh, usher us out of this uh prolonged crypto winter and uh, NFT bear market we've been in lately. That sounds really fascinating. Uh, My internet, for some reason, cut out for a second, so I missed part of that. But I've been Googling what you've been talking about, and and I think that that's really hopeful that that illustrates some good signs coming forward in the Web3 space. Yeah, because I mean, you know, as I said, I'm I'm not huge into crypto. You know, I definitely see more uh, potential utility in like the NFT space, but uh, crypto is a funding mechanism for a lot of these Web three uh, projects is is undeniable. And I think if you can um, see some strength back in that market, then you'll start to see more um, uh, more sustained interest from an investment standpoint and a uh, creation standpoint to push the envelope further on these NFTs. Right, 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 right. Well, and that kind of leads a little bit to what I was, what I brought. I mean, I brought a couple of things to the stage today, but there's this one. I, I subscribe to a newsletter that really sort of sends out every single day some obscure thing that's happening in Web3 or something interesting that's happening. And one of the things that I saw was that Dairy Queen um, opens an NFT pop-up store in China. And I thought, oh, what is that? And so then I jumped in and, and just according to a press release, um, there's an ice and snow season theme pop-up store scheduled to run from November 15th to December 31st. And there's going to be like Dairy Queen themed ice cream and all sorts of really, really clever things for people to interact with and um that dairy queen is really 
um, featuring some ongoing efforts in um, digital marketing and collaboration and and trying to understand NFT and art and how all of that works and utilize that in their own system. And, and they're, for me, I feel like that that's really, really indicative of the growth that we're seeing. We've had a lot of, a lot of big, huge brands, you know, like Louis Vuitton and different people who've come in and done NFT drops and things like that. But Dairy Queen is sort of a, to me, in my mind, is an every person um, entity. And, you know, every person can jump in and, and buy an ice cream cone and um, maybe interact with it more than those bigger brands. And so I feel like, oh, that 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 bridges some of the gap between the Web3 space and the non-Web3 participants in the rest of the world, if that makes sense. So that's that's really interesting, Riona. Did, did the article have any insight as to why they were picking China for this uh, little pop-up pilot? No, no why. No, no why. I mean, I could look a little bit more. Um, yeah, no, no, no real why. I don't know. I mean, it looked like it looked like that there were lots of events going on and that it might be something that would that that there there are other people, other entities involved in this snow and ice season store, this themed pop-up. Um, and that Dairy Queen jumped in to be part of the the ice cream feature and that with that along with that there was some some um nft pieces and and so um no no real why why that it was in china except for that maybe that that's where the ice and snow store is being popped up <laughs> yeah that that would make sense i i did a, did a little research here i, I think i didn't pick, pick up that they weren't the ones that were uh you know posting the technology behind it it seems like they're taking advantage of a a larger thing here looks like yeah. it's weirdo ghost gang i haven't really heard of that firm at all no but, me neither oh, mm -mm. interesting interesting stuff yeah and i just thought well that's really that's really interesting because you know the 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 modern <laughs> everyday I don't know. Sometimes I think about the movie years ago. It came out. It's called Demolition Man. And it has Sylvester Stallone in it and Sandra Bullock. And there's this odd scene in the movie where they're going out to dinner and they're like, they and they go to Taco Bell. And they're like, every every restaurant now is Taco Bell. And so, but but um it's such a worldwide accessible brand, Taco Bell, that everybody knows what Taco Bell is and that, that that's a, a cross-generational world of joke um that people would get watching the movie. And I feel the same um sort of sense about Dairy Queen. It's a worldwide um accessible business, I think, that people could be like, oh, Dairy Queen, NFTs interesting what are they doing with it and how does this work and and what could it be and so i did a lot of you know thinking about you know reward systems or all sorts of things that could appear or show up as a result of this or you know i always think like long term and what what could this become and and how many more people now are going to know about nfts and how many more people are going to know about web3 
and how many more people are going to be intrigued by it and interested by it and be like, what? Oh, this isn't just, you know, this other thing that I'm sort of hearing about on the fringes. And so I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think the mainstream adapta- adaptation there, uh, you know, I think those kind of initiatives are going to be key towards uh, towards no- normalizing it and creating uh, more sustainable, more accessible um, options. And I mean, who knows, maybe I should lay my bet now when, uh, as to when McDonald's is going to throw a uh, NFT in with my, my kid's Happy Meal toy. Um, you know, I maybe know, <laughs> I know. I know. But you know, honestly, that really is, I don't think too far off. I really don't. I really don't think that that's, that's too far off a, a digital collectible because, you know, why not? Wouldn't that be kind of great? And some of those old McDonald's toys, they really turned into um, collectible items, you know, every once in a while on eBay or, you know, just running around, you see somebody that's like, hey, do you have this other thing? I, I They came in a group of four and I only have three and I really want the fourth one, you know, because we are a collectible collecting society. People, we love to collect things, you know, I, I love to collect li- lipstick. <laughs> really you know and so i'm like hmm, lipstick nfts that might be fun i don't know anyway so it's 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 silly and fun and and, and exciting to look ahead and I, I see that we have some guests up here on stage with us Scamata obscura and mr rourke hello hello oh i finally made it <laughs> <laughs> excellent how are you today uh, okay it's a monday isn't it it is a Monday. No. It is a Monday. Other than that, I'm doing good. Good. I noticed in some of the interaction in the chats and the different places that that you were hoping to come today. So I am very happy to see you. We're very happy to see you. And did you have something in particular you wanted to bring to the stage today? Um, not. Especially, but there's one thing that I wanted to talk about last time because uh, you guys were asking about the, the different um, like story worlds that I'd been working on. And uh, one of them, I think I think it'd be really exciting for, for the team, for everyone here, <clears throat> was an idea that I had for, um, I called it uh, the Urban Orchard, um, which is just, in, these, are, these are ideas that like I have that like I, I always think, oh, I could, this would be a great business to start. But since I don't have a team and I don't have the resources or time to make a business, let's just write a story about it instead. Um, but the idea was that, that there could be a, uh, a game that, that actually um, kind of it crosses those, that Web3 border, but it also kind of um, – crosses into the real world and crosses into that that kind of the web two space as well so it tries to kind of pull all the threads together um the idea for urban orchard would be like um kind of like a badging system like like when you're in a game like say you um maybe you have a, a role like one of those uh mmorpgs where you have like um your wizard class uh, starts out with little cantrips and then they learn more powerful spells and then from that spell you can learn these two other spells and from those spells you can learn and so you have this tree of progression of of experiences that build on top of each other to get to these high epic level experiences well the the other idea i had was you know how can we 
encourage people to be more have more sustainable lifestyles, have more sustainable action. And then, you know, how can we use, you know, blockchain and NFTs to kind of build that, but not make it too um, foreign. So like I was thinking of like, you know, games like Farmville and stuff like that. I used to, when Farmville came out and I had just gotten Facebook and I didn't use Facebook for anything except for like maybe send pictures to my family or whatever. Um, I get all these invitations for Farmville or other, you know, Mafia or whatever, whatever games were big. Um, you know, and these were big games that tried to bring people together to play together. Or a better example might be something like um, Harvest, uh, it's not Harvest Moon, it was Animal Crossing, where people like create these, you know, these little homesteads, these little houses. They invite friends over. The friends can come visit. You can go to their little island, whatever. Um, it's, it becomes a community. So in this idea for the urban orchard was to have these structured experience trees of sustainable action that get people started with little actions and then they build up to bigger actions. Um, and then as a result, say, you know, um, uh, you start recycling, you start buying different products or you start doing different different things in your life. Um, maybe you have a um, you start like a, a home garden outside or you start doing rain barrels or you do um, a uh, like a no no water lawn or, you know, what these there's just all these different things that people could do. But it's overwhelming if you're like, I want to live a better life. Where do I start? Well, where do you start? You see these big projects that people are doing that they're showing on social media. But where do you start with those little things in your everyday life? So this would allow, encourage a progression. And then when you do those little things, uh, there would be like a verification system uh, through the community uh, that you actually took physical action in the world. And then you get a badge. And then that badge opens you up to new opportunities. Um, so, but that badge also gives you items that you can use in your Animal Crossing style um, homestead that's on online, like a 3D dimensional uh, world. Or these could be badges that go on your web to social media. Uh, so it kind of crosses the, it, the rewards can get across all, all levels of your physical and digital life. And then they can progress. So say um, uh, you did a community, you did your own garden this year and you did some rain barrels and you made all these accomplishments and you've been networking with other people in the community and they've they've all uh, got progress. And then uh, you hit like a new achievement level in the game and you suddenly have access to funding. So, you now you have this funding and you can go, oh, well, I've opened up a new uh, unlocked a new opportunity. Now I can start a community garden and I can use this funding to, say, rent property somewhere in my neighborhood for a community garden. And then you start building bigger things and you start you know networking with people in your community through this app um, to take collective action. Um, and then I had a lot more thoughts than that, but what, what do you guys think about something like that? And MMO meets social responsibility. I mean, I think, I think that's a neat idea. You know, um, I, I've always kind of, kind of thought that that's more of a space that uh, 
that NFTs should enter in in terms of validating, you know, credentials and achievements. I mean, it, it's it was so funny. I remember when um, LinkedIn first had these skills that people could endorse you for and people were jumping on and endorsing me for things where i'm like dude you've never seen me do that um you know just because it's this total lack of lack of available uh of you know true credentialing and and transparency behind it but i just i thought that was interesting And and i still think that you know i think you're on to something it would be really interesting to see what kind of um what the potential would be there if you had sufficient number of collaborators. Um, Cause I think, you know, these virtual communities, you already see them with like roadblocks and um, I haven't heard as much about sandbox. So it's like, you know, finding some way to, to tie that into everyday life and, and create more of a um, ARG kind of experience. I, I, I think that would be neat. Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea that, you know, there's two, two parts of that. One is that verification stage. Um, reaches out to the community. So what would what you do is say, I want to apply for for this achievement. Um, I, I'm taking pictures of my garden. Um, you might have to have like certain number of pictures or time stamped photos or whatever. And then you submit it and then two random community members are asked to verify, does this look like this person has done what they said they have done? And those two random people who don't know you are are verifying that. Um, and and then on the other side of that is, you know, you have, you know, the kind of uh, connections, uh, local connections that you see in like dating apps or whatever, um, where you can see, okay, who else is taking community action near me? And then you start meeting people who have the same interests as you. Um, and that's where that, like I said, and you were saying that digital meets the physical actually brings communities together, both online and offline. So you might have a bunch of online people doing stuff all around the world that you're, they're part of your virtual community, but then you also build a physical community uh, in the place where you live uh, of people who are interested in the same things. Yeah. You let me know if you ever spot a project like that. I'm all over that personally. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the story and I'm hoping that people kind of see that and they, they think, wow, that, that could actually happen. Um, and then the people who actually can do things like that, because I'm not technically skilled. Uh, I've never mint. I, I mean, I've minted them, but I've never made my own NFTs. I'm really, uh, I said this on the last call, I'm Web3 adjacent. I really like the ideas. I like the potential, but I don't have time to join every NFT project that comes along. I don't have the energy to be helping every cool idea that, that someone presents. Um, so I kind of just step back and I kind of watch what's going on and and work on my own ideas and then hope you know, I inspire other people to do their own thing in their own way. Very cool, man. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like it. I think that it it lends itself to, um, I've been reading a lot and looking a lot about different different ideas about the future of education and how something like that could really be of a benefit. You know, someone could be like, you know what, I'd really like to learn sign language. And I'd really like to have my sign language badge or my sign language badge mm-hmm. that is also an NFT collectible that's non-transferable because I I earned it. And so that that would be something that would be really amazing. Or, you know, you're like, I want my linguistics badge or I want my, yeah. you know, something that that's, you know, well, different that, or, or, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say that's the structure that I described. Yeah, it could be applied to that's community action. That's community involvement. So you're not just going to learn sign language sitting in your living room. You're going to learn sign language so you can go use it with people. So you go out, you know, you're I want to learn sign language, but I need to practice it with people who know sign language. So then you learn a little bit and then they connect you with uh, the local school for the deaf. Um, And then you go out there and and you help, say, volunteer. And that's part of your badging system, you know, or, or a, a badge of its own um, for community action. And that kind of will bring, you know, and then, of course, they're suggesting. So it's like, oh, yeah, well, you liked, um, uh, you know, you, you learn sign language. You like that. But, the, you know, there's there's other communities, you know, adjacent or that might be similar or other activities that you might want to be involved in as well. And then that opens up that tree for, you know, progression um, either. Uh, laterally to other areas or, you know, vertically in that silo of, of the sign language becoming, you know, a community uh, leader in that, in that area. Right. I, right. Jump... I just, yeah, yeah please if, jump if in. Jump in. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that's a good idea, but you know, you can make it as a soul bound token. Cause I've, I've seen, I've seen a number of things where, you know, in order to prevent fake resumes from occurring, uh, mm-hmm. you have, you know, educational, institutions having soul bound tokens so that you can't sell them but that would prove that you've taken certain classes now what you were saying and then and then you know you could generate resumes from that and that way people couldn't fake a resume like like certain you know uh house members or senate members i forget which uh but you know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing happens. Um, and and the thing is but when you mentioned the sign language that also may be it reminded me of of t2 because they have developed the the a way to determine if you're actually reading an article, right? I could see something similar where it's integrated with a haptic glove. So say you're practicing sign language and that haptic glove can determine if you're actually practicing. And if it could time that by various other industries, you know, and it's like, in other words, don't, don't reinvent the wheel, but kind of have the, have the engine underneath and the, and spread it around. Right, right. And so, CD, I know that you aren't having luck jumping in and, and chatting with us, but you did bring up a few um, topics that you thought might be interesting to talk about. Um, Chat GPT and Sam Altman getting fired. Is this something <laughs> that um, we want to talk about here? Um, ER Donaldson, do you have some thoughts? It was on my list to bring up. I just wanted to hear what uh, what you guys thought about it. You know, so for those who may not be following the latest on the current event, so Sam Altman, the uh, the OpenAI CEO, was let go. I believe it was last Friday, and rather suddenly, from what I understand. So come Monday, uh, Microsoft announced that they're appointing him as the re- uh, head of a research team that they're doing into um, AI programs, which. Um, I thought it was really interesting seeing as how I believe they have like a 40% stake in open AI as it is. So it's like, it almost looks like, yeah, they're, you know, they want to do some research to, com- you know, potentially create a, a competing product um, rather than throwing all their, all their box into the, or, or all their uh, chips into the open AI box. And then uh, 
OpenAI just named, I think he was the um, ex-head over at Twitch, Emmett Shear as interim CEO. And one of the first things that Shear does is come out and start busting up these rumors because everybody's going, so why did they let Sam go? You know, especially when he's being picked up by Microsoft, who's a major investor in the company. And the speculation is, was that Altman was endorsing some of these AI models that, uh, were deemed by others on the board as not safe and potentially uh, destructive to humanity. Um, so the interim CEO of OpenAI has, has put a quash to those rumors, but you know that still leaves room for us to uh, to speculate. What do you guys think? Well, I am I I am googling really quickly because this is not something that I have heard of. I in fact um, have been on the road I've been traveling and my daughter just turned 21 and so I'm actually in New York City and because that's where she lives yeah and so I'm I'm in a in my Airbnb in Brooklyn right now um googling this because I'm like you know there's all these things that have happened while I was in an airplane (laughs) what is going on Uh, so Riona I would I would I would suggest uh read the BBC article it's uh, go to the BBC News website. It's like the top article on there. Uh, I read. I read it okay. this morning. Yeah, it's it's essentially. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's essentially uh, uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, of. I think they have 600 employees. Something like since 2 a.m. Uh, well, I don't know what the time is where they are, but since 2 a.m. Le- uh, yesterday or last morning. Uh, 500 over 500 of the 600 employees put together a letter saying hey we want the board to resign because we think the board doesn't know what they're doing and we want Sam Altman free to come back and so uh it's uh and, and one of the board members has, all, has already kind of apologized and said oh I, I don't know why I voted for this I just wasn't thinking straight and so it's kind of a it, the, the article when I read it this morning it was more like a or like a what the heck is going on with chat you know with with this company kind of thing open ai i mean how could it's like it's like an embarrassment at this point that of uh you know it, it, that's really what the news article is about is that they're kind of veering all crazily and uh so it's uh who knows what's going to happen yeah and i mean just yeah, it's like a total embarrassment. I mean, they, you know, there there was talk about him immediately coming back, and there was uh, confusion as to whether or not he he was actually being forced to step down. And I think it was Elon Musk, which, as I understand it, um, Musk actually put up the first forty mil of the company. I think he's since dissolved his stake and given up his. Um, uh, board position exactly for the safety concerns that that have kind of been identified here, and he was, uh, you know, he was calling for some type of public investigation into the matter, and I think he was the one that really started sparking some of the conspiracy theories around whether or not it was um, uh, a model safety concern. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Well, I, I want to start one thing is like all weekend on you know I'm on LinkedIn a lot. All weekend, there's been all this hyperbole. Everyone's like, oh, my God, AI is in crisis. Oh, my God, open eye. And, like, every time that there's a new little blip of news story, everyone seems to want to post, like, an update. And, and it's been, like, uh, like a, a hive of bees going crazy. Um, 
I really think that, that, you know, we as a public won't know what's going on until much later and they make a movie out of it or out of it or something. And then we have to wonder if it's the fictional version or what really happened. Um, but as, as far as, you know, what comes of this and what, what, what it really means, I mean, it kind of opens up that, that network of power struggle that's going on behind the scenes. So now we see that, you know, what, I mean, what I, I kind of suspected, you know, the there's big powers like Microsoft behind there trying to steer what's supposed to be what was supposed to be a nonprofit organization. Um, no doubt towards, you know, a, a profitable situation for them. Um, and, and then my my personal concerns about the direction of AI is that, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, yeah, well, once AI hits and Elon Musk is one of the, the ones that's been doing this lately is. AI is going to make the world so great we won't have to work ever again unless you really want to. Or and Sam Altman was saying AI is going to become God like God. We've got you know this model's getting so wise or something you know, and it's all just kind of overblown hype. AI is going to become a tool for whoever builds it. So if someone's building it for profit, then it's going to work towards the exploitation and inequality that we already see in the world. Um, if they're working towards prosperity, it's going to need a lot of guardrails. It's going to need a lot of protection to keep it from being abused because, you know, the first thing you're going to see once you get, you know, anything near AGI is you're going to see uh, what scam bots all over the place. You're going to see, you know, uh, people using it for bad things and, what what guardrails are there for that? I don't know. That's that's my my concern is that this this whole show that's going on is something that's going to settle behind scenes, and um, it's very interesting to see. Um, it's like watching um, a celebrity family like have a quarrel, but uh, in the long run, it, it's kind of just a sideshow to the big picture. So the question is, do you do you think that a lot of this has more to do with um, AI truly reaching that singularity point? In which I want to point out, uh, CD dropped in the, in the chat um, some interesting um, insights from a friend of the show, uh, T. Dylan Daniel. And, um, you know, speculating that it was more of a funding issue where some of their funding sources came in, which, you know, that's always a, um, a legitimate concern and probably more accurate and less fun to think about than um, sentient machines. So, of course, I'm not driving us down that, that side of the, the uh, discussion. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, with all the crazy things that have been happening lately, I kind of feel like reaching an AI singularity would just be a par for the course in the next five years. What do you guys think? <laughs> i i think the singularity idea once again it's it's the question is who's who's building this and for what purpose um if you have so the singularity uh, if we if we break it out of its like kind of mythological uh framework which it's often kind of uh thrown out in in this kind of idea that the singularity is going to change everything and life's going to be good um the singularity just represents an acceleration of technological growth. So we're already seeing that, you know, uh, within a year, you know, or a couple of years, we went from um, AI art output that looked like um, 
a crazy trip and you can see faces in the backgrounds of things and everything's melted and blurred to things that look like, you know, um, a master artist did it uh, after studying for 30 years. Um, some of this output is just amazing. It's changed so quickly. So when you get this idea of a, a singularity where, you know, the technology takes over and starts accelerating itself, really, what course did they set it on when they designed it? Did they, did they set it on, say, okay, um, what, what corporations basically operate on? Bottom line is profit. Well, then it's going to optimize all the corporations for profit. It's going to uh, maybe it's going to uh, fire all the most expensive employees, which would probably be C-suite and replace them with GPT, which is probably what they should do anyways. Um, or is it going to uh, uh, cut salaries for all workers? What is it going to do? Um, it's not it might not be the glorious utopia that that the techno optimists uh, kind of promoted as because it's being designed as a profit machine. Now, if, if I'm wrong and there's actually some kind of utopian um, ideal that's being baked into the, the code, then it could be pretty good. But really, I don't, I don't see any corporation like Microsoft deciding, hey, we want less inequality, hey, we want less profit, hey, we want less power, let's build software that makes that happen. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, right. No, and that's what we're uh, we're we're jumping William Gibson here, and, and I I think that's the case. And I think the scariest thing here is that um, our government and bureaucratic systems are in no way equipped to usher in some of the, some of these utopian views. Because I mean that you know there's things that would be nice, and I think if this technology is progressing and integrated any more than <clears throat> It already is, which it definitely will be. You know, we need to start having conversations about AI taxes and uh, universal basic incomes or, or dividends. You know, um, you know, because otherwise, yeah, if, if it is just powerful government st or uh, private corporate stakeholders, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't see any way that this is this is going to go well. No, it just makes everything faster. It makes the exploitation faster and more efficient. Um, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's kind of scary to me that how fast things are progressing without any kind of change of course. I think uh, if I'll chime, I'll chime in here. I, the singularity is never going to happen, in my opinion. Um, Keith Dillon Daniel has good uh, arguments for this from a philosophical point viewpoint. Uh, you know, consciousness and all this kind of business. Uh, but uh, even then, even, e there's there seems to be this assumption that even if uh, technology were to accelerate to such a degree that it's accelerating itself, there is this, this assumption that there's only going to be one. Like all the AIs, <laughs> we oh you know we're we're one powerful thing. Whereas I don't see e e even even forgetting the whole thing about consciousness. It doesn't make sense to me. And we've got we've got China who has their own internet, has their own uh, you know research into AI. Um, all this, all the all the AI stuff is open source. You're not going to have one monolithic thing. It seems to be much more likely that you're going to have competing ones. In which case, it'll be basically the same as what we're doing now, just really really fast. Because <laughs> one AI will come up with something, the other AI will, will come up with something else. 
it's not always to the advantage of of a being uh you know we like to think that it's to always the advantage is always to uh coordinate with others but it's not that's not clear to me i mean uh, uh it's not clear to me that they would they would agree even if we called they you know these, these kind of things but uh, anyways, yeah, I think it's it's more of the same. It's just under under different guys, and all the talk about the singularity now is based on uh, I don't want to say ignorance, but I mean we don't understand consciousness, and people don't understand the people that do understand consciousness, and those two things together, or the people that attempt to understand consciousness, those two things together just uh, they they lead to conspiracy theories and all kinds of wild things, and they're great ideas. But I, I, I would not, uh, I don't put credence into them. I totally agree with everything you just said. And I'll just add a little cap on top of that. And then let, let Yair say what he was, he was about to chime in. Is that the way I see this singularity mythology is the techno-optimist religion. This is the, the mythology that they tell people to keep them moving in that direction. You know, I've talked to people who, who say, the singularity is coming. We're going to have AGI. We're all going to have a universal basic income. Life's going to be good. We're never going to have to work again. Well, I mean, is your landlord going to, I mean, it's just like, who's going to start giving away money? It, it just does not follow what we have here to what they say they're going to reach. But their belief is what drives that machine. And that's what's being manipulated by people like Andreessen, who has this like, like death to humanity, except for the elites kind of outlook. All right, I'm on. <laughs> so while I while I do agree with you guys, I just have to say, boo, you're no fun. Um, you can tell why I write fiction, but no, I I I do agree with all your points and think that's probably more of a realistic point of view. I am going to have to jump here a couple minutes early, but I just wanted to thank everybody for the discussion and uh, hope you guys have a great week. Um, looking forward to catching you uh, catching up with you guys again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much, ER, for jumping in and, and being with us today. We really appreciate it. Um, so I want to, CD has really been giving some of his, his thoughts here in the chat. And so I want to take a moment and um, read through that and see if we've got some additional points that we want to make. And so CD says a few thoughts the Bitcoin happening in 2024, people are speculating that one Bitcoin could be anywhere from 150000 to close to $1 million each. This is a part of what is changing the season from crypto winter. The NFT space has reheated, but it's not anywhere near what it was in 2021, 2022. Still, there are some bright spots. He wants to mention that the on-chain monkey ecosystem is moving 100% of their ETH-based NFTs to the Bitcoin Ordinals protocol. This is a big first. There are moves being made with Bitcoin that no one saw coming. Um, and then his point with the singularity is potentially the point where AI starts making decisions long-term about the future of evolution and everything else. It's the point where people say AGI is better at deciding everything than we are. Much like the point where all drivers agree to give up driving control and go full autonomous driving, which in his opinion is unlikely to happen anytime soon. And so as much as um, E.R. Donaldson would like to believe his fun fiction um, CD is landing on the side of he doesn't think that the singularity is going to be happening anytime too soon. So um, 
do either um, Schematic Obscura or Odd Writings want to jump in and share more thoughts on this? I can uh, say another thing about um, about CD's uh, position on the on the singularity. I totally agree. Uh, for me, the thing is, uh, you know, and this kind of came up when when Sam Altman was saying, "Oh yeah, we're we're building God at OpenAI." Um, you can have all the wisdom in the world; people will not follow good advice. We already have all the wisdom. All the wisdom that would be in OpenAI. Uh, their ch chat GPT God um, is already in books that we have here. I've spent, you know, a lot of my life reading, you know, the scriptures of many different religions. And you can always piece out like some of the generalizations that come out. You can strip away the dogma and kind of get that good advice. A anyone in the world can get that. I could go on LinkedIn and spend all my time or Twitter or Facebook, spending all my time preaching the good word. Um, only so many people are going to listen to good advice. Uh, that's where we get to this kind of divergence between the mythology of, yes, uh, AI is going to show us the way, uh, but will we be willing to follow? Um, and some people will and some people won't. Will it become a religion where those people become fanatics and they're at war with the people who want to control the rest of everyone else for power and profit? I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting, but I don't think it's going to be as clear cut or as miraculous as uh, some of the true believers do. Uh, did you have any thoughts? I, I totally agree with uh, everything that you just said. It, it make, it's, it's, that's another it's another assumption is that the uh, that people will will follow good advice and people just don't. I mean, it's the nature of humanity. To, I mean, just look at look at look at every generation that that comes up and they. Every generation feels that they can do things better than the previous generation can, or previous generation did. And then once they grow older and get a little bit wiser, they realize, oh, there's all these mistakes that we did. We didn't see this coming. Uh, we didn't, you know, we we didn't foresee climate change. We didn't foresee all these other things. There are things happening right now that people uh, believe that this is the way this is the way to go you know like like linked energy for example for just a, a wild example okay there's going to be bad things associated with using wind energy that we are not aware of now it's almost guaranteed any technology has a side that we by definition don't recognize and and then later on when it becomes a problem and when we realize oh my god we never realized there was this relationship between the air currents and uh, you know this and that, and the, the release of heat or whatever um, to the to the next generation, it's going to seem like well, if we had been in power, we would understand these things. You know, so it happens over and over and over, and and so it's just it's the nature, I believe, in, in my opinion, of it's human nature to make these kind of mistakes, um, so that even if we have uh, a, a powerful uh, singularity-like system that we use. Uh, if it if it really does uh, follow the same design, since we're the ones that are designing it, is if if it really does follow the same design that we do, it either it's going to make mistakes or it's not going to make mistakes. Uh, it's impossible, I think, for it not to make mistakes if we're the ones that are designing it. So I mean, it's uh, it's and then people are gonna they'll they'll kick back against that. So it's. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. There's just so many so many different angles to it 
and it's so difficult to predict the future. In fact, I would argue it's impossible uh, to predict the future. Uh, that uh, anything we say now is speculation, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to, uh, you know, downplay these ideas. I think, it's, I think it's great that we're we all talk about these kind of things. But um, I just have a very, uh, a much more pessimistic viewpoint. I think, and I'm willing to believe that things will continue on the on our treadmill to oblivion. We will continue to, you know, kind of make mistakes as we go along and, and things 300 years from now, the technology will be very, very different, but all the mistakes being made are going to be very similar to mistakes that we make now. Uh, George, you're funny odd, uh, um, treadmill to, to oblivion. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100% that the, that the, this generation looks back at the previous generation and is like, oh my goodness, what are you crazy? We can't do that, or that's ridiculous, or whatever. And and um and so and then the future generations will look back at what we've done or what we're what we're currently working on and go, what were they doing? And I always like to fall back on the Maya Angelou quote that says, you know, you do the best, you you do the best that you can until you know more, and then you do better later. And so, um. That's not exactly word for word, but that's the gist. You know, she's like, you do the best that you can right now because that's what you know. And then, and then when you learn more and and grow more, then you do the best that you can then. And so I think, I think that's all that we can do is just do the best that we can. And I and I always feel like that if we come down on the side of lead with love and protect the children and love each other and build what we feel is the best for everyone involved, best for each other for humanity keeping literature and forward thinking and care going into the future that 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 can't be wrong and so um anyway and so we we miraculously here are at the at the at the top of the hour again and so i feel like that we have had an amazing show and we've missed cd terribly i'm glad that he was here with us and was able to to chat with us in the in the chat and share his thoughts and odd writings thank you so much for for your wonderful con contributions as always and schematic obscura thank you also for yours and er donaldson thank you for coming and i and i think um uh, from me and and all of us here at the vagabond magazine um team i just want to say i hope that you all have a beautiful beautiful week and I hope that you find little things like Odd Writings shares with us to be thankful for and to care about and that brings joy to your life. And so with that, um, I want to end the show with a reminder that we have Web3 Writers Hour tomorrow and check in on Twitter and, and see and see what time it starts up. But it's every Tuesday. And um, so I hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful evening evening wonderful day and we will sign off for now until next time much love everybody take care everyone thanks goodbye <laughs>